Hey, welcome to Great Hearts Table. I'm Randy Greenwald, and I'm so glad to have you joining us. One of the things people gathered around a table can do for each other is to listen and, when able, to help others reorient their lives toward proper expectations. If our kids are unruly, we can talk about it with others who might remind us that they're kids and that by definition there will be an element of unruliness in the mix. Such is also the case for pastors and churches, and I hope Great Hearts Table can initiate conversations among friends that can help us reshape the expectations that we have about the church. In this case, I'd like to help set you up for contentment. Not success, because I'm still not sure what that is, but contentment, that is something we can aim for. Years ago, I plopped into a chair next to my daughter Hannah as the worship service was preparing to start. She could tell, perhaps by the slump of the shoulders and the shape of my brow, what was going on in my heart. Dad, she said, I wish you'd be happy with the people who are here and not grumbly about those who aren't. Her 15-year-old wisdom pushed me to consider the precarious dance between contentment and ambition. I want to see God's kingdom grow through our church. I long to see people come to rest in the grace of God. I want our church to be one that offers hope to an aimless and lost world. There have been no greater joys than when I've been able to baptize new believers, and I want our church to be a catalyst for this. If anything, my ambitions in this area are way too weak. But to be consumed by that ambition is to too easily lose sight of what God has done and is doing with this church in the present. Discontent is destabilizing, and as my daughter rightly saw in spotlighting my disordered heart that morning, my discontent threatened to blind me to what God was already doing. The heart of the small church pastor in a large church environment will easily skew away from contentment. There's no magic pill or quick fix to keep that from happening, but I have found that the following observations do help. First, we need to remember that small is normal. I know I say this a lot, but if our church is small, it is no different than the majority of other churches. Churches can be small and healthy, and that's okay. A small church I recently visited struck me as a beautiful and bright spot in its urban community. Nothing about it said broken. It was small, that's all, and small is normal. When we stop seeing ourselves as lousy pastors of failed churches, we're free to become faithful pastors of ordinary churches. And as well, we are freed to be creative, which is my second point. Small churches need to learn to creatively think small. When we model our ministry along the lines of larger churches, we soon exhaust ourselves in frustration. It's far better to pour our creative energy and our valuable volunteers into embracing and nurturing what we uniquely can do well. In our church, we spent years trying to force the Sunday school curriculum created for large churches to fit our smaller base of children and teachers. On a whim one day, I asked our children's ministry director to dream what she might do if freed from those constraints. 
The result was the creation of the only outdoor children's Sunday school classroom we know of. It's unique, it's effective, and it didn't come from trying to recreate the ministry of the big church. Who knows what beauty might emerge when your church looks at the gifts they've been given and asks how God might want to uniquely deploy them. Thirdly, believe it or not, small can be good. I've lost count over the years of the number of people who have come to our church because, as they put it, we like a small church. They're sensing something. Small churches offer things that people may struggle to find in a larger church. We do need to dispense with the common but mistaken assumption that a church can be a one-stop supplier of all one's mental, social, and emotional needs. Such thinking places impossible expectations upon churches. It's okay if, for example, a person finds her closest friends outside the church. This doesn't mean the church has failed. Churches, like people, have limitations. And when we jettison these impossible expectations, we can then more greatly champion the humbler possibilities of the small church. In a small church, names are known. Sorrows that cannot be well hidden are cared for. Hospitality becomes a more common thing. Gifts are shared concretely with people who are known. Absence and loss are felt deeply, but together. Persons, not numbers, become our concern. The small church is in a position to care well for people and to enfold those looking for community in a way that is far more difficult to do in a larger church. The point here, of course, is that for the small church, contentment lies just on the other side of acceptance. Without a doubt, my heart will beat just a little bit faster and my confidence tick up just a notch or two if next week I see a new family sitting six rows back and to the left. But, okay, Hannah, I hear your 15-year-old voice still all these years later. My heart will also be warmed and grateful for those others seated around them. And if those new people don't show up, I'll cheer those who do. I'll be content. Well, for a moment anyway. Great Hearts Table is published on the first, second, and fourth Mondays of each month in both audio and print format. Thanks to Over the Rhine for permission to use their wonderful songs, All My Favorite People, and Called Home. And thanks to you for listening. I am Randy Greenwald, pastor of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Oviedo, Florida. Just shy of breaking down, there's a bend in the road that I have found called home. Take a left of loneliness There's a place to find forgiveness Called home